Wow, guys. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. What a blessing to, to be here. Adam is a, is a good friend. We were on staff together at Westgate for a while. And man, Jen, his wife, just a, a beautiful gal. We were in youth group together uh, in Los Altos. So we go back a whole lot of years. And I want to thank you for being so gracious uh, to my wife when she was here, allowing her to tell you some of of her story. Um, actually, it's part of our story. Uh, it is um, uh, a story of watching God work in something that is very difficult and hard. Watching God move and work, His Spirit moving in the midst of her disease. Rosalind has MS, and I, I remember back when she was first diagnosed, I was uh, taking some kids on a mission trip. We were in inner city San Francisco. And so we had, I don't know, we probably had 30 or 40 kids. Um, we were doing youth ministry down in Morgan Hill and uh, we were just pouring our hearts out. And Rosalind started getting some weird sensations in her legs uh, and it was moving up. And so we thought, you know what, this is kind of weird. We should probably go and get this checked out. And so she went through a bunch of tests and uh, they, they did a bunch of stuff and, and yet they were very vague in terms of what it could be because they just didn't know. Like they were like, well, it could be this, it could be this. Multiple sclerosis wasn't even on the table really. At least they didn't mention that to us. And so we are in the inner city. Rosalind's at home. I've got a bunch of kids and I get this phone call. In the middle of, we were, we were in some like packing center and packing boxes uh, for those that uh, were homeless. And I get this phone call and Rosalind's crying on the other end. And she, she says, Steve, um, the doctor just came back and told me what I have. I have, I have multiple sclerosis. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I'm like, what? So what does that mean, hon? And, and so she started telling me a little bit about the disease and what that could mean for our life. I get off the phone and I go to one of our leaders. I said, hey, I, I got to take off. Um, my wife has just been diagnosed with a disease and I, I need to go home and be with her. And there was a gal in my youth group named Ashley and Ashley's mom had multiple sclerosis. And I pulled her aside. This is like one of those, those beautiful moments where a student is ministering to me. And I sit down and I said, my, my wife has just been diagnosed with this disease and I know your mom has it. What, what, what is it? Like, what, is that, what does that mean? And uh, her mom, unfortunately, was bedridden, uh, couldn't get around at all. And I just started thinking to myself at that moment, like, oh my goodness, God, what, what are you doing in my life? Here I am. I am pouring out my heart and soul for ministry and this is what I get? Now, trust me, I know that's a wrong attitude, but I'm just telling you, like, this is where my heart was. I'm like, look at what I'm doing. Look at, look at all this good stuff that I'm pouring my time and energy and sacrifice and all of this stuff into this. And this is, this is what I get? I went home, and that was the beginning of, I think, the redemption process. It's been over 20 years of God redeeming that hurt, broken attitude and starting to show us at that very moment the good of God coming into that which is hard and broken, redeeming that and showing us 
His plan, His purpose, and His mission in all of that hurt and in all of that struggle of what, what does this look like for us? So immediately, I'm like, okay, we got to get the elders together. We got to have people praying, and we're praying for healing. Like, lay hands, let's, you know, all night prayer. Let's, let's just, God's going to beat this, right? And God can be more powerful than this. And God can do amazing things in this. And God's going to heal my wife in this. And yet, every time, it was, nope, nope. And so how we've changed over the years is that, our, our prayers have changed. We no longer pray for healing. Not that God can't do that. We absolutely believe that. But that what we've discovered is that God has counted Rosalind worthy to carry this burden and to use it to herald Christ's name. She is worthy to carry this burden. And so I look at her and I'm in awe. Because she does it with grace and she does it with poise, which you all experienced and saw. And I want to share more about how this has affected our life and our ministry calling and, and the mission that God truly has us on. Now, next to uh, Rosalind, I don't think we brought the dog. And I'm not going to say her name because if I do she will get distracted and um, so I'm just going to call her the dog uh, you met I think my daughter w- was here and uh, maybe saw a picture of my kids and so on and so forth but uh, the dog is another uh, important uh, person or not person animal I would say uh, in our in our life uh, she uh, she does an incredible service to Rosalind uh, these service dogs are absolutely amazing. It's amazing what God or what what God does through His creation. Uh, we trained with dogs that can literally detect um, uh, seizures within 30 minutes of them happening. I mean, just amazing stuff. And what I almost said it. What the dog does is she uh, she monitors Rosalind's temperature gauge. So if her body is overheating, then the dog will let her know. Um, and then also her fatigue levels as well. And so what we've come to notice about the dog is that this dog has one mission in her life. And she is most happy when she's in that mission. A lot of people misunderstand service dogs and think, oh, they're, they're all chained up or they're, you know, right by their, their side, their handler's side all the time. And, but, but they are most happy when they are, they are working, when they are on on this mission. And I want to talk to you this morning about this mission that God has given you and me. Because we have one mission as a church, do we not? Matthew 28. That we have been we have been mandated to go and to make disciples. And there are two aspects of mission. There's the gathering aspect, and this gathering is what we're doing this morning, where we come together as followers of Jesus, and we remind ourselves, and we sing songs of praise like we did the first song, and then we sing songs of declaration like we did with We Believe. 
that collectively together we say with one voice, this is what we believe as the church. This is the foundation that we stand upon. This is the, the, uh, what we go out of this building in that truth, in that declaration together as we encourage one another in that and as we remember what it is that God is doing in our midst. And we take very seriously in Hebrews 10:25, do not neglect gathering together. This gathering that we read so much about in Scripture, where when Paul was on his missionary journeys, would go, and the first thing that he would do is he would gather people together. And he would form elders, and they would start meeting and grouping, and, and this gathering became so important for encouragement, for the declaration of truth, for the heralding of the name of Christ in the towns and the communities that these churches were planted in. But it's not just about the gathering. It's also about the sending. The Father sends the Son. And then the Son sends the gatherers. He sends us with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to show this to you. Open up in your Bibles, Luke chapter 10. To give you a little bit of context in terms of what's going on here and what Jesus is doing in the midst of this. Back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples and they go out heralding the kingdom of God, heralding the name of Christ and the mission that they were sent to do. They come back from that and then they start arguing with each other. Hey, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? We want to know who's going to sit on your right side. Who's going to, who's going to be higher than somebody? Like They're all jockeying for position. Jesus started to teach in chapter 9 as well. Hey, there's a cost. That as I send you out as my followers, there is a cost to following Jesus. It's not just about gathering together and feeling comfortable with one another. There's, that's a part of it. We've been hanging out for, you know, two and a half years. We've been doing ministry. You've seen me heal. You've seen some amazing stuff. But now it's time to send you out. To send you out as my disciples. Because later on, he's going to come to them and he's going to go, now you go. You go and you make disciples of all nations. That that is our mission as the church. And so in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read through 12. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So after the 12 go out, there were other people that were hanging out with Jesus. And so Jesus gathers all of them together and he says, Okay, I'm going to send you out. And he sent them on ahead of him two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be disease. There's going to be brokenheartedness. And yet I'm still sending 
you out in the midst of that. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, they will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of heaven has come near, or the kingdom of God has come near. And I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. All right, let's pray. Father, may these words... May these words challenge us. God, may these words convict us. Lord, I thank you for this gathering. I thank you for the gatherings that are happening all over San Jose. Congregations coming together and lifting your name above every other name. Declaring together what they believe. Father, we ask that our gathering this morning would encourage us, would inspire us to be seen as sent followers of you into a world that desperately needs you, that desperately needs to hear the greatest message ever, the gospel. Father, what a privilege it is to hold that message, to hold that truth so dearly May we be quick to pass it on, to share it with others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in your notes, I encourage you to write this down. I want to share with you, first off, the knowledge of Christ as he sends his believers. In other words, I want to give you three things that I believe Jesus is sending his followers in. Truth, that Jesus is sending them out in. And the first is this, is that the Holy Spirit is moving and working right now, right now with power, regardless of their circumstances and feelings. In other words, Jesus didn't gather the 70 and go, okay, now how are you feeling? Is everything in order? Are you feeling good? Do you have everything that you need? Is your life all perfect and then once it is then i'm going to send you out in fact in chapter 9 in the previous verses jesus is literally saying listen if you follow me this is the cost things aren't going to just necessarily all work out according to how you want it to but i tell you this and that is is that everything's going to work out according to my glory and according to my purpose and according to my mission that I have 
for you. Therefore, I want you to totally rely upon me. And I don't want you to take your money bags. I don't want you to take anything. You can leave your sandals, no knapsacks, no backpacks, no computers, no iPhone. I don't want you to take any of that stuff. And all I want you to do is I want you to focus on me. I want your attention to be on me and what it is that I am doing and how I am moving amongst you. You see, it's joining God at his work instead of asking God to just join in in my work. There's a big difference here. I had to learn that when Rosin was diagnosed. Because I had big plans. I had big plans for my ministry career, if you will. What I thought was going to happen and how I thought my career was going to project the types of churches that she and I were going to serve in, how our ministry was going to look. It was all my plans. It was all my dreams. It was all my stuff. My, my, my. And yet God has used this precious woman to remind me and to convict me that I'm not in control and that I hold very loosely what it is that God has given me in my life to steward. And so he sends me to a church 16 years ago that was on the verge of shutting its doors and had 10 people. I didn't want to go. There wasn't anything appealing about it. There's no sound systems. The pews were this, like shark, like, you know, the hockey team shark teal. Like the carpet was just, it was, it was, I can't even explain it. It was just, you walked in and you were like, wow, I'm in the 40s. Like it was just, nothing had been updated on anything. And, and yet this is where we felt God wanted us to go. Literally, we thought, wow, we're going to go to this church and it's going to be, it's going to be a two-year journey and, and uh, we're going to learn a lot and then God's going to move us on to something bigger and better. It's always that bigger and better, right? That we're just always longing for and wanting. But the problem is, is that we define bigger and better rather than, man, let's, let's let God define that and let's just pray with earnest and go, God, where are you moving? Where are you working? How do we just join you in the work that you're already doing? Because I trust that your Holy Spirit is working already. That's what the Holy Spirit does. God sends the Son. The Son sends the gathers with the help of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do this by ourselves. We don't have to create movements of God. We rather pray earnestly together, God, where are you moving? And we just simply join in. The second thing is this, is that God's kingdom is the happiest place on earth. It's not the magic kingdom. It's not Disneyland. Unless you like to stand in line for hours, then maybe it is the happiest place on earth for you, but it's not the happiest place. God's kingdom is the happiest place. You say, Steve, how do you know that? Because what these followers of Jesus were sent to do was to simply bestow peace, blessings. And the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, blessed, happy, 
are the meek. Happy, happy, happy. Oh, to bestow peace and blessing. Is it possible, is it possible to have peace and happiness in the midst of hard and difficult? Absolutely. Because when we enter into God's kingdom, it's where we experience the shalom that scripture talks about. It's that peace that passes all understanding. My friends, I'm worried about our society and our culture that we are too much involved in the building up of our own kingdoms. This is something that we have to guard against at all times in the midst of wolves. The kingdoms that we build up is that where we put our trust and our hopes and our faith? Trying to build up that security, trying to build up that which will provide us what we believe is going to be happiness, only to be disappointed in the end. When those things that are finite fail us every time. The third truth that Jesus sends his disciples out in here in Luke chapter 10, is that you and I are missionaries sent to invite people into the kingdom of God. It's interesting to me that in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus sends out the 12 and then he sends out the 70 or 72, whatever your version says there, listen, it's the same mission. Like, it doesn't change. And then you get to Matthew chapter 28, and the Great Commission, and that mission doesn't change. It continues on. And then we read in Acts, and guess what? That message doesn't change. To go and to make disciples, to present Jesus alive, to join in on the work that the Holy Spirit is already doing amongst us. Isn't that exciting to know that? Is that when we come to church and we gather together, here at Blossom Valley Bible Church, that God's Spirit is always already moving and working amongst you. And so the challenge isn't, well, what do we do next? The challenge is, God, what are you already doing? And would you open up the eyes of my heart, as Paul prays so often, Lord, open up the eyes of my heart to see your work, to see your majesty, to see where your redemptive work is already happening. And then can we just move and join in on that work? Like, I love the recycling thing that you guys just started. That's awesome. You, you saw where, where things were already moving with another church. And you're like, let's just join in on that. Because we see fruit. We see what it is that God is doing in that. And so we just simply want to join in and be a part of what God is already doing. Folks, that doesn't happen unless we are earnestly praying as we read here in Luke chapter 10. So the question then becomes this, at least for me, is then how do we, how do, we do this? If I'm a missionary, if we're all missionaries, and we are, by the way, like we're no different than the people that we send overseas, the people that we support. The only difference is maybe how we get our support. So for instance, I love in my church... I love gathering together our nurses. We have quite a few that work at hospitals. 
And I gathered them together and I said, listen, y'all are missionaries in that hospital. And guess what? That hospital pays you a living wage to be a missionary at the hospital. They don't even know it. They're giving you money to share Jesus. That doesn't mean that you're giving them tracts and you're obnoxious about it. It just means that you are heralding Christ's name in how you live and how you speak. And they pay you money. I get my teachers together, and we have quite a few of them. And I gather them together. I say, listen, the school district pays you money to pray for these kids daily. They can't stop you. Every day you get this incredible opportunity to be on your knees and to pray earnestly for these children and the homes that they live in. What a ministry. And the school pays you to do that. This wasn't our idea. This isn't something that we had to sit in a committee and try and figure out. Like we just... God set it up. And God's spirit is moving and working. You know, I finally was like, you know what? It's, it's not even just in the schools, but it's also in my next door neighbor's home. And the homes across the street. God is moving and working, constantly drawing them in. And all I'm to do is to look for opportunities. Opportunities to do that. And listen, God doesn't come to me and go, you know what, Steve, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about your neighbors? Well, God, I just, I really don't like my neighbors. Like, he cares. Are you a follower of me? There's a cost. When I pick up my cross daily, that means I, I, I put aside my ambitions, which, by the way, is an extremely difficult thing to do, especially in ministry. Because we all have these grand ideas of what success truly looks like, bigger and better. And it's hard not to fall into that. But I got to put all that aside. God, what are you doing in my midst? What are you doing in the, my neighbor's lives? And so how do I just simply join that? So I have a neighbor across the street who is a part of a softball uh, league. And um, I'm getting older. And, and, and playing sports where I have to run. This is why I like golf, right? Because you just, you just stand. And then you have a cart that just kind of drives you to your ball. And you just kind of talk. It's a great sport. But baseball now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting 50 and it's just, it's hard. Because I'm sore afterwards. But he invited me to come and play and... And I like baseball. It was my sport as a kid growing up. And so he said, Steve, what? You want to come and play? And I hemmed and hawed. And, you know, like I could think of every reason not to. Um, then I remembered. He's coming to me. And we're going to have a car ride all the way there and a car ride all the way home. Not for me to be obnoxious and sharing about Christ, but just, this is who I am. This is what makes me tick. 
That's what we're called to do and be as followers of Jesus. To bring peace. To expand the kingdom of God. And oh, what a kingdom that is. I think sometimes we forget. The kingdom of God is for today. It's not, it's not just something that we enter into when we die. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. Like that's, that was the whole purpose of the parables, right? Like, let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven today. And you and I get to live in that. Okay, so how do we do this? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Because I think it's just hard. It's hard to give up our, our own ambitions and all that stuff. So let me give you three things. Do not rely on your own stuff. Rather, rely on God's provision. So when we came to this little church on Bernal Road that was overgrown with weeds and was a mess, I had nothing. They had no money. They had no... They didn't have anything. They just had a building. And the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers were few. And we just started to pray and rely on God's provision. And it was amazing how God provided. I wish I had more time to tell you all the stories that God has done. The second thing is do not look for something better. Rather, remain on mission. Remember, he said, hey, don't, don't go house to house. In other words, don't go and look at another house and go, you know what? They're serving pizza, and over here I'm getting liver and onions. So I want to go over there because I'm going to get a better meal. But we do this all the time, don't we? Like We, we just want our bellies satisfied. We want, we want the latest and greatest in, in whatever it is. Rather than, you know what? This is where God is moving. This is where the mission's at. And I'm going to stay. And I'm going to pour my heart, my soul into this. And I'm going to rely on what it is that God is doing. And then finally, that you and I are to proclaim God's kingdom in everything that we do. Everything that we do. Every meeting that we enter into. Every conversation that we have with our kids, our grandkids every ministry that we're a part of in this church, every encounter that we have with our neighbors at the mailbox, that we are to be a people that proclaims God's kingdom in everything that we do. And we gather together to remind ourselves that we are a sent people. The gathering isn't a means to an end. It doesn't end here. This is a launching pad. This is a diving board into the very communities and neighborhoods that you and I live in. Final story about the dog. This dog has had an amazing amount of training. In fact, when we first got her, she's actually a rescue dog. My son uh, almost hit her and brought the dog home. And we had a family meeting at the time. Our kids were still living in the house. We already had one other white, fluffy, cute little lap dog. And so they were all, we all got together and we're like, okay, so what are we going to do with this dog? It's not chipped. We don't know who the owners are. What are we going to do? 
And she was crazy. She was. Like, she was just out of control. And so um, we sat down, and it was three to one. Three votes to foster the dog and find the dog a home, and one vote to keep the dog. I was the one vote to keep the dog. And it was one of the few times where I'm like, I'm overruling you all. <laughs> and we're going to keep this. I, I was like, I'm turning 50. I need something cute and snuggly. I think it was just a midlife crisis. It was a breakdown. I don't know what it was, but it was like, I just, I love this dog. Like, and I think it happened when I threw a ball and the dog went and got the ball and came back and dropped it at my feet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sold. Like this, <laughs> this dog is awesome. I don't know what you guys think, but this is amazing. Anyway, so, so my wife got me a birthday present that year, um, and it was, you got to go train this dog. Like, if this dog is going to survive, if we're not going to go crazy, go get this dog trained. So I went to a place uh, down in San Martin, trained the, went through six weeks, and the dog was a lot better, but still not great. And so Rosalind was like, okay, now I'm going to go, and I'm going to go get figure out how to walk the dog in my chair and so on and so forth. And the owner of the company trains service dogs and looked at Rosalind and said, have you ever thought of training this dog to be your service dog? She's totally in tune with you. This owner of this dog, she's like a Caesar Milan. I mean, she's just like speaks dog. It's like amazing. And Rosalind's like, uh, no, but... Long story short, she enters into this program, hundreds of hours of training. And the day finally came where she was going to get certified. And they have to go through this test. And I can't tell you all of the details of the test because it's top secret. But here's the deal. At the very end, the last thing that they need to do is they have to go into this grocery store. And all throughout the training, it's like never lose hold of your dog don't ever like you always have two hands on the leash at all times so they go into a crowded grocery store they go into the freezer section you know the section of the grocery store where you open up all the doors right and one of the trainers looks at Rosalind goes okay so here's what you need to do I want you to put the dog in a down so the dog goes to a down and then I want you to drop the leash Rosalind goes what Wait, what? Yeah, drop, uh, drop the leash. You, like, you just want me to just put it down here and I hold on to it and move back? N no, I want you to drop the leash. Let go of the leash. And then follow me. So she drops the leash and starts following this guy down the aisle. And they get farther and farther and farther away. Now, all of these people are walking around the dog, opening up doors, taking out freezer items, putting them into their cart. Lots of distractions. The handler goes, okay, now I want you to turn around. So she turns around, look at the dog, and then call the dog to you. That's exactly what Rosalind did. The dog gets up and just... Pops into her lap, and the handler goes, Congratulations, you just passed. 
Doug had one mission. Distractions all around. But the one mission that this dog has is Rosalind. She's the most happy. She's the most secure when she is on mission, doing what she was created to do. That's to help my wife. Folks, you and I, every day we have a choice. Drop the leash. Drop the leash. You don't need the money bags. You don't need the fancy shoes. You don't need the backpacks. You don't need all the shiny and silvery stuff. Drop the leash. The leash of fear that plagues so many of us. A leash of control. No, I, I need to be in control. I need to make sure that this goes exactly the way that I want it to go. Drop the leash. The leash of security and what I own. Drop it. The leash of my own desires and outcomes. We just need to drop that and let it go. Folks, every Sunday we gather What a joy to know that you all gather here right down the road from where I'm at. We gather in our congregations to collectively celebrate our King and to remind ourselves that we have been sent on mission to accomplish His purpose. Let's pray. Father, we are reminded of this. We are grateful of this. We are most joyful when we are on mission and joining your work, joining your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you open the eyes of our hearts to see how you are moving and working, not just here at Blossom Valley Bible, but, Father, the people that we live next to, the folks that we interact with on a daily basis. Oh, Lord, may our lives herald and proclaim the kingdom of God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.